Aloha, welcome to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of Hawaiian Airlines. This is our uh, last podcast for the year 2022, and we have with us our newly appointed cargo committee chair, Captain George Chikuti. Uh, you, you've uh, done a little bit of Apple work with HAL MEC uh, in the past, and just give us a brief uh, synopsis of what you've been up to. Sure. First of all, uh, not captain right now, but... Um I was with the prior negotiating team and with our last contract, uh, served with them uh, for that period. Uh, prior to that, um, I was at uh, DHL Airstar Air, Air Cargo, where I was the MEC chairman and vice chairman prior to that, and several other committees that I worked on, uh, hotel committee for many years and the uh, retirement insurance uh, chairman, uh, P2P committee. Uh, so I've been involved with Alpa since we brought Alpa on the property uh, at DHL back in like 1989. Wow. So you're part of the certification vote and, and yeah, right. driving yes. cars and so yes. from the ground up. Yes, yes. So ever since then, we I worked for the Alpa, an Apple carrier. Wow. And, and, and I was uh, happy to volunteer my time. Um, my philosophy is it not only benefits me and the pilot group that I work for with, but also the profession as a whole and hopefully help raise the standards for all of us. I've been staring at my standing bid form for the last few days. Uh, very tempted to... Uh click uh, 330 Captain Cargo. Um, just give me a background of what cargo is flying like. I'm, I'm sure 90% of a pilot group has never flown a cargo aircraft, myself included. What's that world like? Well, first of all, it, it is totally different. Um, it's hard to compare the two. Um, the flying part's the same. Um, however, everything else is different. Um, it starts with um, showing up at the airport. You're not getting dropped off at the terminal and going through and getting something to eat at the local terminal restaurants and maybe buying something from the duty-free and, and then uh, casually walking out to the gate and uh, going down a, a jet bridge to the airplane. Uh, no, it's going to be, you're going to be in a remote area, the ramp, away from the terminal, uh, you're gonna get um, you're gonna get dropped off by a van to the base of the stairs, air stairs to the that get you up to the cockpit. And depending on the weather, you'll have to deal with uh, the rain, the snow, the heat. Uh, so it's it the creature comforts aren't there. Sure. Uh, but um, the flying is good. It's it's different. You're you're not. You're not dealing with the passengers. Um, you're not dealing with other crew. It's just the pilots. And, um, you know, for some, there's an attraction to that. It's simplified. It's just flying. And it's just the crew, the flight crew. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's different. Uh, especially, you know, we don't know our schedule yet. Um, but if we're going to fly in the middle of the night, um, that's primarily what I did for my 27 years of flying for DHL as uh, the hub flying and flying in the middle of the night. And you have to really train yourself to sleep during the day mm -hmm. uh, and then flying 
uh, being up all night and, and flying all night. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Amazon schedule is going to be um, uh, mostly day flying, but we don't know. And sure. we're not going to know for a while, but um, that is cargo flying. Um, it's, it's flying all weird hours of the day and uh, just trying to adjust to that new environment. I heard it's a little more time sensitive, but not really. There's a lot more emphasis on on-time performance, but at the same time, there's a lot of sitting around. Is that true? Uh, there is a lot of sitting around, um, especially if you're flying through the hub. Uh, now, I know that um, from what I hear, the Amazon flying, um, not all of it uh, goes through the hub. In sure. fact, uh, maybe... Um, a lot of it doesn't go through the hub and you're just going point to point. Um, but you do have to wait for the sort to happen at the hub. So for example, uh, when I was flying for DHL, we would fly from an outstation to the hub, get there roughly at uh, one o'clock in the morning. And then they would do the sort. And by four o'clock in the morning, they're kicking us out to go to the, go to the outstation. So, um, but on-time performance is important mm -hmm. and they definitely want you to be on time. Um, so you can't slack there, um, but you do have a lot of downtime at times in between flights. Sure. Uh, one of the bigger criticisms I hear about um, bidding for cargo is we just simply don't know what the pairings are like or what the world's going to be like. Um, as a cargo pilot, uh, any insight on uh, the processes of, of what it takes to build a pairing or any timelines you can share with us about uh, the upcoming cargo bid? Unfortunately, I, I don't have any insight to that. Um, I think we're going to be the only, one of the only cargo companies or cargo airlines that are going to use PBS. Um, my previous life, we did paper bidding and I think most other uh, cargo companies do paper bidding um, so the whole PBS uh, dynamic is going to be different I, mm -hmm. I I really don't know how they're going to build the pairings um, that's yet to be seen it's a little early still for us to uh, to see that um, but uh, you know when it was uh, when we were doing the paper bidding it was basically a week on week off schedule and you just bid um, for we didn't fly weekends so wherever we ended up on a saturday morning we would stay until monday night so when we would bid our schedules we didn't care where we went during the week we was always out and back to the hub sure uh but um on the but you would bid for your weekends because you would spend extended amount of time for for the weekends uh, so i would try to bid uh, since i live in san diego I, I would try to bid san diego weekends so i'd be home with my family and and be on a layover um so but it's going to be different uh, here. Um, the schedule is, um, I think it's going to kind of fluctuate on a monthly basis too, depending on where the Amazon wants us to fly. So uh, I had a little bit more of a consistent schedule, I think, um, in my, at my previous job. Uh, so this Amazon flying is going to be unique. Um, it's going to take some adjustment. Um, but I think once, once our pilots... Uh, figure out the system and get used to it, I think um, it could be a good thing. And the LOA allows for very much more flexibility 
for cargo pilots in terms of schedule flexibility we give to the company than uh, passenger pilots. So you can get reassigned any time within that footprint. That's correct. Yeah. So you are there's during that footprint. So um, they they can reassign you during that footprint. And um, I think the only um, restriction is they have to get you back to your gateway city or base um, within 24 hours of mm-hmm. the original footprint. Uh, and and unlike a lot of, uh, I'm on the 321 right now, uh, all of the pairings are two-day pairings. Uh, a lot of the pairings for the 330 are three-day pairings. Uh, but we got some sixers and four four-day pairings uh, contractually within the LOA uh, to allow better uh, commutability, right? Right. Since since um, we have the gateway cities, and um, I think they do anticipate a lot of trips uh, not originating at the hub, um, so they're going to have to deadhead you to these other cities. Um, yeah. So I. Uh, they have to allow for that time, and it can't be a two-day trip, right? Because they got to deadhead you out there and get you in position for your for your flight. So it has to be multi-day. Um, so that is something that's going to be new because uh, we we do have some pairings every now and then on the three thirty that are multi-day. The charters that we do to sure. like Singapore and the military charters that we do, but it's but it's rare. Yeah. Um, so and we I mean we have five-day trips, but you're not flying, you're only going to your destination and laying over for that period and flying back versus, you know, a five-day trip on the Amazon contract. Who knows how many takeoffs and landings you'll be doing in that five-day period. Can you explain the uh, Gateway City concept a little bit? I've heard a lot of confusion on the line and and the difference between domicile and Gateway City. Uh, You're right. There is a lot of confusion about that. And uh, Cincinnati is the base. So... If the domicile is the, well, right? is the domicile. Is the, right. Okay. The yeah. base domicile. Yeah. So if your pairing starts uh, at Cincinnati, which is the domicile right now, uh, you would have to get yourself to Cincinnati because that is your base. If a trip originates somewhere other than Cincinnati, it's uh, the company has to uh, give you the transportation to get to that city. And now this is where the gateway city comes into play. So you select a gateway city for the month. And uh, for example, for me, I live in San Diego. So my gateway city would be the closest gateway city is LA. So the company um, would have to get me transportation, a ticket, an airline ticket from LAX to wherever the trip originates and uh, I'll have X amount of hours to get to the gateway city. And then, um, the company, um, provides me the transportation from there. However, if my trip were to start in Cincinnati, I would have to find my own way to Cincinnati, um, and be there in time for my outbound trip. And the positive space ticket from LA to Cincinnati in your example, does count for deadhead credit and it does count for FDP, correct? That's correct. Uh, You're on the clock when you you report to the Gateway City. You are on the clock. That's exactly. Um, So there's going to be a lot of soft time. Um, There's going to be a lot of um, uh, duty, a lot of rig time 
uh, in your month. You're not the flying probably the hard flying isn't there isn't going to be that much uh, compared to what you do in the passenger side. Um, it's going to be more uh, trip rig, day, min day credit. That's the nature of cargo flying yeah. in general. If it's right. here, FedEx, you're you're, you're sitting if you're around. flying domestic, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right. And the international flying is different, but uh, the domestic, you're not going to be able to rack up a bunch of flight time uh, in a month. So you, you know, as far as the FAR 117 limits, it's not really going to be a factor. It's uh, it's going to be um, you're going to be able to fly a lot uh, because you do have all that soft time. And that's where you'll be able to make a lot more money on the cargo side than you would on the passenger side because of that soft time. And you are not going to reach the 117 flight limits. What are the considerations should people who are used to flying passengers consider uh, before they bid over to cargo? Uh, like we talked about before, the creature comforts, um, it's going to be a little bit more raw, um, not as pampered. <laughs> um, also, um, you know, the uncertainty of your schedule, possibly, you know, you will, you know, your bid line holder, you get a schedule, but like we talked about before, they can change that schedule within that footprint. Um, so those are some, some big differences. Um, and, and not having um, passengers or flight attendants um, back there. I mean, some of us flew the cargo operations during the COVID, um, but that cargo operation was really... Uh, not anything compared to what we're going to be doing with Amazon was we're not going to have a, a, a an airplane that with, with seats in it and seven labs and, uh, you know, three galleys uh, to ourselves because we just loaded cargo in, in the belly. This is just, this airplane is going to be a cargo airplane and we're going to have the front galley and uh, these airplanes are, are going to start coming with um, sleep quarters. But, uh, and maybe there's going to be a couple of seats. Other than that, it's that's it. So the creature comforts of having that passenger configured airplane, you know, this is different. Also, it's going to be a cargo airplane. It's going to feel a little colder. It's not, uh, you know, it's it's. Is that it's a fact? Because I just flew Atlas down here, and yeah, it was freezing. Yeah, it's yeah. just no well bodies, you, or is it just they just? Well, keep, I think part of the it packs is, are different, or. I think part of it is, um, well, it's a lot of steel, huh? I you guess all so. those containers. Yeah, yeah, all those yeah, containers. All no soft goods. I never thought of that. And, I, you know, the airplanes that we flew, I, I'm not saying that Amazon's doing this, but they, they took a lot of the insulation out of the airplanes because it's, it's all about weight, right? You want to carry as much right. revenue as you can. So they would remove a lot of the unnecessary, what they thought was unnecessary. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, oh, because there's no passengers to yeah, the plane. Yeah, so the oh, back of the airplane, they don't care if there was insulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it would get colder back yeah. there because of that. So that's uh, part of it. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do with these oh. airplanes, but uh, that's that was my experience. So they, it was cold. Like I used We used to have long delays um, every now and then, like the sort belt. You know, we talk about our our luggage sort system in Honolulu here, when it breaks down, we're all like waiting for the bags to come to the airplane. Well, it's the same thing with freight. They have that massive, massive belts moving all that cargo. And if one of those belts break, it's not, that cargo isn't moving. So um, it, it takes a while for somebody to come and repair. They have 
on-site maintenance that, and with all the extra belt material, and they, they do know how to do this, but it takes time. So you have to wait for them to replace the belt and then get the sort back up to speed. So you can take um, some pretty uh, big delays if that process happens uh, during the sort. Did you do hot standby like we're going to do here? Uh, yes, we had hot standby. Uh, basically, you show up to the hub, uh, go out to the airplane, pre-flight it, get it all ready to go, and then you go back in and either you go to the bunk room or you can hang out in the cafeteria, watch TV, whatever. Yeah, we, we did that, absolutely. And that is common with uh, that freighter type freighter operation. And in our uh, LOA, uh, just so we're clear, we got either a, a sleep room at a hub or a hotel um, during airport those hotel airport standby. Right, right. And you're you you you. Is there a difference between when you're at the hotel? Do you still pre-flight the airplane? Do you, do you yes. Know at the top. Yeah. Oh, you still so have you get to the do plane that. ready. You get everything yeah. going. Then yes. they can take you to a hotel. Then right. you got because you have to report within 15 minutes. Right. And you know they expect you to go. So uh, normally, you know, you're at the you're at the actual airport facility. Uh, where you're not being, you know, have to have to leave your hotel room, get transportation to the facility, and then report to the airplane. Uh, that's going to take a little bit more time, I think, than they would like. But it's just the way it is right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to be ready to go um, when they call you within 15 minutes or so. They 30 minutes max. They expect you to push. George, you just met with the company alongside our negotiating committee uh, talking about the finer details within this cargo operation. Just give us an overview of what uh, you folks went over today. Well, it was, it was um, meeting the team. Uh, you know, we want this operation to succeed. Uh, so it, we're going we're gonna to do what we can to help the company. Um, we're gonna, you know, with my experience... I'm able to point out some pitfalls, some things to look out for. Have you thought about this? Did you think about that? Uh, because it's an operation that it's nothing compared to what we do do right now. So we need we need to start thinking about these things and and be prepared for what could happen, what needs to happen. Not at the time we implement this this operation because it's too late and we're going to have problems and we're going to start off on the wrong foot and there's 10 other airlines that would love to have this contract. So it, we are all on the same page. We want this to succeed and we're going to try to give it the best chance for, for success. So I, I want to, um, to let the company know that, you know, um, I'm, I'm a resource that they can use. And, uh, so today it was meeting, meeting their team, uh, letting them know that, you know, we on this side, uh, Alpha side, want to help. We're not here to criticize, but to assist and help. And um, so it was a good, it was a good meeting. And uh, it was very positive. And, you know, they're thinking of things, which I was happy about because I didn't know, you know, have they started thinking about this sure. or about that? Sure. And, you know, they have been, they have started thinking about some of these issues that I, I had brought up to them. Um, and it's just, it's just the first meeting of many. Um, there'll be a lot more, um, in the future until we, we get most of these items sorted out. Uh, there'll always be something that pops up at some point. 
uh, we, we, that we don't expect. But the things that we can prevent ahead of time, you know, we're going to think we're going to think about all these issues ahead of time and try to re- get a resolution to them so it minimizes any impact, negative impact. So it was a good meeting. So um, we're going to be meeting with the company on a more frequent basis as we go forward. And hopefully when the time comes, we'll be um, totally prepared for for day one and kicking it off with a successful launch. I'm very glad that uh, we have a former freight dog and I bet you you hadn't expected to no. be filling the role of a no. cargo pilot uh, no. ever again. Ever but. again, yeah. <laughs> no, and, and you know, when I, I was on the negotiating committee the last time and after that, since I was on a, 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 a output committee continuously since 1989, uh, I thought, okay, I'm done and I'm, I'm going to hand the baton off to other pilots to volunteer and, and uh, I was just going to ride off into the sunset and uh, and then I was presented with this opportunity. Who would have thought that I would ever <laughs> see a cargo operation like this again in my career? So, uh, but I'm happy to help. So, wow, 33 continuous years of Alpha service. If uh, pilots want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do it? Uh, my email George dot at Alpha dot org, um, or they can uh, text me or reach out to me by phone, and I'm listed in the Alpha directory. Perfect. Uh, you're also on Dart. We have a freight operations That's category correct. on Dart. If uh, if any pilots want to send a question regarding the cargo operation, George, thanks for coming in uh, today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. When we come back, we'll have an update from uh, Captain Larry Payne. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of the Hawaiian Airlines Master Executive Council. Uh, time for the chairman's update. We have Captain Larry Payne, chairman of HAL MEC. How you doing, Larry? How are you, Sean Lee? It's been a busy month, eh? It's been a busy three years, eh? We just had the Christmas party last night. That was a good time. I figured I'd say A since yeah. they played the Canadian National Anthem. Who did that? For me. Your like walk-on music. Rotten bastard. <laughs> Joining us, we have Brett Eckelberg. He's the uh, contract administrator and uh, all-around cool guy. What's up, Brett? Nice to see you, Sean. Good to be here with uh, you and Larry. So Brett's uh, the guy who vets all the podcasts. So it's uh, it must be weird to be on this side of the mic for once, huh? That is true. So I'll have to be <laughs> extra careful. He gets to vet himself on I, this one. I, I, I want to try to not create work for myself. So. <laughs> All right, Larry, give us an update. What's going on with the MEC? Oh, what isn't going on with the MEC? Um, quick update, like we gave yesterday at the LEC meeting and the uh, Christmas party last night, we just returned from BOD in Las Vegas this year because they had hotel complications in Florida. They switched the venue to Las Vegas, which was kind enough to give me the ever-so-present COVID virus. Oh, that's fun. No, it's not. Um Elected a whole slate of new national officers. Uh, one of them, which was out with us this week, uh, continues to be here with us. Bill Coet, who's in his last 23 days as VP of admin uh, after 16 years. Uh, they're all going. We've got a whole new slate of officers uh, there. Jason Ambrosi is the new president. 
Uh, and we elected our own Doug Grant to EVP. First time ever for Hawaiian Airlines to have uh, an EVP on the national stage. Big, big deal. Doug right now is uh, upstairs uh, negotiating with the company. We're in Section 6 negotiation. Any insight on what's going on up there? Uh, he is negotiating. They are negotiating. Um, we, tomorrow, will see receive a comprehensive beef briefing from the negotiating committee uh, with the MEC and, and Brett here was part of all the negotiations uh, and we'll give them some guidance on where we go. The big pink elephant in the room is of course the Delta AIP from last week. Uh, and that's, I think caused the company to shift their, their focus on this whole thing. I think, uh, I think we maintain our, our trajectory. Uh, you know, they're going to have to adjust and um, we'll see where we go. Big. Uh, yeah. Big. Everyone's getting AIPs. Alaska settled, uh, uh, not too long ago, Delta has got the AIP, and today we just got word that Spirit uh, might have an AIP done today. So every everybody's moving. Everybody tends to negotiate at the same time. You know, in Hawaii lingo, it's like there's a big wave, right? Big set of waves. We want to be on the front side of this wave. You don't want to get caught on the back side of this. Got to start paddling now. Start then. paddling now. Yep. Brett, you're uh, often in the room uh, with the NC and, and, and the GC. You do quite a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, just give us a clue on what a typical day for you is like. Well, a typical day, I don't know if there is a typical, typical day. I have things that are scheduled and then kind of the fun starts from there. And, uh, I would say, uh, as you mentioned, if I'm working on uh, grievance work, arbitrations, we're focused in on enforcing the contract and we could be researching, we could uh, be prepping witnesses, we could be drafting questions, uh, we could be holding the arbitration itself. Um, with the negotiations, again, it's active negotiations where we have our team, their team at the table. Um, they're bringing in their subject matter experts for different uh, pieces of the contract. And then we are actively um, uh, working to uh, implement kind of the, the uh, direction that we're given by the MEC and to pursue the goals uh, for the pilots and uh, try to advance those goals and achieve those goals. And that's, that's where our focus is. And, and, uh, but again, every day is different and there's things that come up on the fly and I, you know, just shift and we address those. I work with Katrina Paulino, who's my paralegal and together, um, we, we take care of business. So again, if, if there's ever, uh, a mantra that we have, it's, there's no problems, there's just solutions and we all work hard and we just stay focused and take care of what we need to do. I was going to say, I guarantee you Brett's day never finishes Doesn't end. the way he thought it was going to finish yeah i bet yeah you wake up on one morning and say i want to be a lawyer for alpa i want to do labor law like how does how did you end up here well that that's an interesting question but my focus uh, i went back to law school as a second career i uh, was a school administrator high school uh, academic vice principal uh, and uh, an english teacher and a coach uh, and running a school is essentially like running a small small city that led me to go to law school and to pursue a uh, focus in labor and employment law because I dealt with so many labor and employment issues as, a, as an educator. That was my passion. I just love, you know, helping people. And uh, I, my job prior to coming to ALPA was as a um, assistant regional counsel for Social Security Administration. So I was a federal attorney. I was also a litigator. I was a special assistant U.S. attorney, and I did that for about a decade and I was um, uh, the director of the uh, uh, labor and employment 
uh, for the uh, uh, Social Security Administration, but I only could do that 50% of the time. Hmm. When I saw the Alpa job, this was just absolutely uh, a, a prime uh, uh, kind of location for me. It met all the things that I was interested in doing, and I could do it uh, full-time and use all the different skills that I had developed over my career. So um, when I saw that opportunity, um, I, uh, I, I applied, and here I am. So, I, said, I said at the Christmas party last night when I introduced Brett, where would we be without him after the last three years? I it mean, was the Wild West are without you, him, I mean, yeah. Are you kidding me? The right. work this guy yeah. puts in is, uh, I mean, the lift is massive, and he, does, he doesn't complain. He does it without, I mean, unbelievable, amazing. Speaking of Christmas party, we had uh, close to 300 pilots uh, yeah. in attendance last Two, night. I think they said 285. Uh, 285 at the Blue Note in uh, Waikiki. That was, a, that was a good time. I just want to say, like, I, to see those numbers and to see pilots here uh, be that unified is a, is a very strong mark of confidence within the pilot group for the MEC. And I'm very grateful for that. That's always a uh, humbling sight when you have a bunch of pilots gathered and they all have your support. And I'd have to say, I thought it was very, very fitting, very poetic that when I first came on board, the first holiday party I attended was at the Blue Note in 2019. And after that, the, the world changed. And so yeah. it's really, it was really meaningful to me to have the very next one, once we got our feet back on the ground, we got that upper trajectory going, that we're back at the Blue Note, and the, uh, the feel and the vibe was just outstanding. Um, really a great spirit last night. And it was good to have all our support staff there. I yeah. was telling Pat and Katrina this morning, you know, pilots see us. We're on the, you know, they see Brett occasionally on the all-pilot call and all that, which is great. But they don't see the support staff we have around right, us here, right. you know, that are working on their behalf. Right. And it's huge. You know, it really is. So it was good to, to have them there, introduce them, so people could see. We had a few visitors from National with us this week uh, come out to see us. And, and to touch on that quickly, you know, this is a, we've only started to have visitors from National, really, in the, in the last little while that come out and support us. And, and you know, we're not... You know, just a small airline in the Pacific here. You know, we're That's becoming right. a bit of a big deal. So, and and you could see that at the BOD, we had yeah. uh, Doug elected to national office. You made me a committee chair. Uh, I was chair of the international relations committee at the BOD, and that was a pretty fun experience as as a chair on my first year at the BOD. I mean, we were talking what 500, 600 piles in the same room. Uh, keynotes were like Sully Sullenberger. And it was a it was a pretty uh, pretty eye opening event to see well, everyone there sharing the same goal. And how big was it that Jason Ambrosi from Delta gets elected to president, and the first thing he does in his acceptance speech is thank me, Rod Matias. Yeah, for him being there. I mean that that's right. the, you know that never happened before. Right. That kind of recognition. That was absolutely a, a really special moment, too, to be seeing that and, and be aware and kind of connected with the Let me see to see that moment, too, was very special. And this might be the only occasion where we violate the uh, what happens in Las Vegas yeah. stays in <laughs> exactly. Las Vegas moment. Th th this has all been vetted yeah. and screened. Yeah. So yeah. We're in the MEC uh, office uh, all week this week for MEC meetings. I know a lot of the pilots want to know about Section 6, but there's a lot going on outside of that. We just created a cargo committee. Uh, everyone just heard George, uh, George and I uh, on the podcast for the last 20 minutes. Um, there's a bit of a shift in the airline coming with cargo. T tell us yeah. more about the Amazon deal. 
Well, you know, it started a little over a year ago with a call from John Snook to me. Uh, you know, Amazon had put it out for RFP uh, to the various properties. I, and John said, hey, is this something that you think we should do? Is this something you guys would be interested in? We, we started exploring it with the MEC, with Brett, with negotiating committee. Uh, and we went to work. And, you know, a little over a year later, here we are, uh, you know, successful in our bid for that. I think the company... Did a good job putting their best foot forward. I, you know, it was difficult to negotiate effectively a, a completely different contract or LOA, as it were, uh, for that flying under cloak and dagger um, due to SEC yeah, rules. Right. You know, and I, I joke around to tell people that, you know, I had to tell them I had knew nothing about it because I didn't really want to end up in a jail cell. But... <laughs> You know, it is what it is, and, and here we are. We got the contract, and, and it's it's the airline's got to go out and, and, you know, get this done now, and there's a lot of work around this. I mean, it's a eight-year contract with an option for two more years. I think 10 aircraft to start with potentially up to 55, they've said. I mean, the pilot hiring around this is massive. The training around this is massive. It's a big, big lift for this company. In our discussion with the cargo committee uh, folks, we were talking about how you essentially have to have a duplicate committee structure for cargo. There's different criteria for cargo hotels, cargo scheduling, crew meals, all the logistics behind uh, flying cargo is 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 pretty uh, pretty earth shattering if you if you look at it. Yeah, and one, and the shameless plug: if you're here flying for Hawaiian and you've done any cargo flying, you know. We're looking for, yes. for people you yes. know, that have that experience. So, uh, you know, if, if you've done that and you're interested in doing some work, we'd love to hear from you. We do need, and we've hired a lot of folks from uh, uh, ATI or ABI, ABX, ATI, Atlas, all the cargo carriers that they might have flown actually Amazon cans in, in the past. And the MEC is always looking for um, volunteers. And as a... Uh, Kind of the attorney that works with the Howell MEC, all the different committee members, I have to take the moment to underscore what Sean and Larry are saying because absolutely the best part of my job is working with all the volunteers and being able to leverage and learn from all the knowledge that they bring to the committees that they specialize in or that they're interested in and then over time become specialists in. So absolutely, if, if I were to say uh, that's one of the best parts of my day is shifting gears to the different committees, the different people, the different interests, and then trying to get their goals um, uh, accomplished um, and, and under the contract uh, or get, get things improved for the pilots within the framework of the contract and the direction of the MEC. But please volunteer, especially if you have skills, um, Come and share them, explore, and get involved because that's the, that's the best part of my day, at least working with the different committee volunteers. Speaking of, I mean, volunteers, we, we're, we're trying to pull folks with, not, not just cargo folks, but folks at previous carriers who've been in kind of a volunteer role with their uh, ALPA, uh, MEC, or Teamsters, or even the SkyWest folks who aren't union. Some of them have experts in scheduling and we're we're hiring so many people that it's it's worthwhile that if you had previous union experience, reach out to us because we definitely could use our talent, especially as we grow so much over the years. Right, and then again, uh, the other thing I would say too is do not uh, be reluctant to to 
to come out and, and take a look at what the committees do, talk to the committee chairs and get involved. Uh, think about where your interests are. Like, for instance, for the grievance committee, when we uh, we just put out a column just a little bit ago, uh, if you're interested in law and order, if you're interested in, in you know, um, legal matters, you may not have had any experience in it, but if you have that interest, you have that passion, get into the get into the uh, arena and just kind of grow. And, and if you've got that interest, you're inherently smart. Come and just apply it in a new venue and uh, and see where it leads. But we it, we definitely need the help and uh, appreciate all the help and all the committees. We're at the end of the year. It's the very end of 2022. This is the last podcast of the year. Larry, what do you want to see happen in 2023? Well, I hope everybody has a good holiday season. You know, for those that are gonna that are working, I you know, thanks for for doing that. Your professionalism is truly appreciated. I I you know I say it every time I get a chance to the pilots. I you know overall. I just appreciate our pilots' professionalism on a daily basis. I really do. You know, we got a great group of pilots here. Um, going into next year, let's finish out this one strong. You know, I, I got to knock on wood. I'm careful what I wish for here, given the last three years. You know, we're hope the Amazon thing goes off well uh, next year. Seven eight sevens coming next year. I mean, that's a big deal for us. You know, introducing a new airplane, a lot of training, a lot of work around that. And, of course, Section 6, you know. Um, like I said, let's be at the front of that wave. Start paddling now. I definitely don't want to get on the backside of it and be having to play catch-up. That's not an enviable position to be in. What are you most grateful for in 2022? You, Sean Lee. Oh, thank you, Larry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I answered it really? fast. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. No. Brett, yeah. Brett, what are you most grateful for in 22? Uh, oh, I just uh, just me. think, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Sean Lee, no. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, Sean Lee. We're all grateful for Sean, Sean Lee. Exactly. <laughs> no, I just think I, I'm grateful. I mean, obviously, it, you know, setting aside, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for um, all the um, uh, wonderful people I get to work with. Uh, I just uh, think I'm uh, I have a, a just an outstanding job. I just love what I do, and uh, getting the opportunity to work with you all is, is outstanding. And, um, you know, what I would look forward to in 2023 is just continuing to, uh, to work hard, to realize um, the mission of ALPA. And uh, I always keep that posted right next to my desk. It's pinned on the wall right next to my desk as a reminder what our ultimate goals are. And uh, it would be just, you know, kind of advocating for, for the, the interests of, of, of pilots in general. But in, in this particular role, I'm in for the uh, um, Hawaiian pilots and uh, keeping everybody safe, uh, keeping everybody uh, professionally supported and uh, uh, on an upward trajectory uh, towards the future. And so uh, that's what I'm looking forward to 2023 and when, whatever we need to do to get there, um, I'm on board to help out. Well, thanks, Brett. Thanks for all the uh, work you do. And uh, anytime I, I personally need anything, I'll email you and you... Uh you text or call or email right back right away. So I very much appreciate it. Larry, thanks for joining us as always. We'll see you in the new year. Uh, this has been Talk Story, a podcast for the pilots of the Hawaiian Airlines MEC. If you have a question, email us at howcommunications at alpha.org or send us a dart at dart.alpha.org. Melikli Kimaka, we'll see you next year. Aloha. 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 Thanks,